0: podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season. It's not just tongue and cheek Quarterback defense tight end recommendations based on opposition matchups. Here are your podcast hosts, J.J. Zach. Welcome ladies and
1: gentlemen to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I am joined by my always lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's cracking, man?
0: Uh, I'm just glad that uh, you haven't changed your Twitter, Twitter handle to uh, early round quarterback yet.
1: I know it's. it's it, I'm, I'm surprised as well, just given the uh, the, the way the group think is. is I, yeah,
0: happening. I feel like the pressure, you know, might be on for you to to actually have to change that this year. It's, but I'm glad incredible. you're sticking with your guns for so. so. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think at this point, I'm. I kind of have to. <laughs> not that I would do any anything else. So t- tonight we're going to be talking about best balls. Who has the best balls?
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is not. This is a family pod, guys. So
1: we, we we did this podcast last year, and we're actually bringing on the exact same guest that we had on last year when we did this podcast. Uh, and I'll introduce him right now. He is the one, the only Rich for XN Sports, uh, RotoViz. Uh, he has a fake goods podcast, does a lot of stuff around the industry, and he's been popping up more and more. Uh, rich Rebar, uh, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Rich, what's going on, man?
2: What's going on, guys? You know, this is great. I get to take two family vacations to the stream in one summer. Uh, you know, so I'm more than pleased to wade in the refreshing waters of fantasy knowledge with you, gentlemen. I, I really enjoyed the Jimmy Graham, All Jimmy Graham show, and I'm looking forward to the All Peyton Manning show that is soon to follow.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, we do need to do an All Peyton Manning show for sure. That was that was that just needs to happen. But yeah, so we. I I thought of bringing on Rich because he, uh, you know, with regards to best ball leagues, obviously the big thing with best ball leagues is the My Fantasy League 10s, um, and Rich is one that that is playing a lot of them and has been doing it since since February, right? I think I saw you tweeting today with, with Matt Riddle that you guys started on February 8th.
2: We were in the very first one, actually. Go figure, me and Riddle. Uh, of you course, know, Matt, yeah. R- Matt Riddle's another guy that does a, a ton of these. But We were in actually the very first one that opened in the season. You know, our degenerate juices were were <laughs> itching after just the playoffs, the two weeks of the Super Bowl. We had to get back in, so yeah.
1: It's it's pretty crazy. Like I like I thought like I do a lot of them. Don't get me wrong, and, and we all talk about them all the time. And then I like I I look at you and Riddle, and you guys have been accumulating these MFL tens since since February, and just thinking about that makes my brain hurt. I will say
2: cool. uh doing them since february has been has been really awesome just because of watching the the ebb and flow of certain players and the flows of strategy the way it's shifted mm-hmm. uh you, you know in certain players you know because we've seen the, the guys like Evan Silva who will tweet a guy and then he'll and the next MFL ten he'll go two rounds earlier than he was yeah. going before, so it's been nice to follow the the whole pace and track everyone throughout the whole process. It's been really cool
1: yeah, definitely, so tonight we're going to talk about some best ball leagues, our strategies, how we approach them uh. The how we you know what positions we uh, uh, value a little bit highly uh, and positions that we don't, which you guys listening probably already can guess what those positions are. Um, but then also we'll get into some specific players that we've been kind of pinpointing and targeting uh, and drafting in these in these NFL tens. The thing is, is that when you do more and more of these MFL tens, you you try to have a smart diversification plan because. You know, no one's a hundred percent with their picks, so you don't want to go all in on some guys, and and if they do indeed bust, then then you could be screwed and lose all your money. So, um, but part of that, you know, with the players, we'll we'll give guys that we we do indeed love, and then hopefully at the end we'll have some time and maybe rant a little bit. But um, let's just let's start off. If if anyone's ever played a best ball league, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's a draft only league in the MFL tens. You typically or you are drafting twenty two rounds worth of players. Uh, The lineup is a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, kicker, defense, and flex. Um, But with best ball leagues, there's no waiver wire, there's no trading. So every week after the games are played, uh, your team is optimized based on who scores the most points. So you don't have to do any of the guesswork. There's no start-sit decisions, nothing like that. So because of that... It's very strategy-focused and not necessarily as much player-focused. I mean, you obviously need to choose the right players, but strategy becomes an even bigger deal because you're not able to kind of adjust on the fly. Um, so let's just start out, uh, and I'll, ta- I'll start with Denny. Um, so when you approach best ball leagues and, and drafts, Denny, are you, are you looking for particular... Uh, positions at, at the at the beginning of your draft or are you approaching it the same as you would a redraft league or even a dynasty format league like how are you how are you looking at mfl 10s
0: no it's definitely uh different than those two and and i think it would be much different um the dynasty for me but uh mostly i think that you know early on um i tend to i tend to want to take a um a slightly more conservative approach uh, getting guys who you know have proven not to be um, subject to kind of uh, game flow ins and outs and stuff that that Rich has really explored uh, really well this season. Um, and then uh, and then you know like like anybody else in, in a best fall, there's no reason not to just take your rips late in the draft. Um, you know guys who could uh, could could really you know have three or four giant weeks and you know, crap the bed the other uh, 14, 15 weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in that format with the low price of some of these guys, that's that's okay. So I think a little like a like I guess like a you know a good mixture for me, and I know everybody has their, their, their different uh, uh, takes on this format, um, but for me a good mixture of a little bit of conservative, a little bit of risk taking late, and um, you know, try try to get a good mix there. I, I think that if you have a team that just doesn't have any sort of vol- volatility built into it. So, you know, like, like a guy who could really benefit from volatility, like, um, uh, I don't know, like Carlos Hyde or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have one of those guys, if you don't have at least a few of those guys at, at wide receiver and running back, you've, you've probably done it wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that's sort of my thinking behind it.
1: Yeah, I definitely I. I I mean, that makes total sense. Rich. is there are there specific uh, positions that you're targeting, let's say early in the draft, first couple of rounds? Is it any different than what you would do, say, in a redraft?
2: Not totally like Denny said. I I kind of take the same redraft philosophy. I do tend to play the first four rounds in, in regular drafts, pretty conservative. Like you said, I want known commodities. Uh, if you look at who the guys that busted last year, you know, mm-hmm. it was because we didn't have a lot of known floors on those guys, you know. But we still we still paid ceiling prices. Guys like Doug Martin, Trent Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, I do value wide receiver the highest because of its weekly volatility. Uh, I mean, like you said, if you listen to the show a year ago, uh, I referred to what I call, you know, consistency of signature starts. You refer to him all the time too. Uh, right. you know, starting position, starting weeks that you finished uh, within the top 12 of your position at quarterback and tight end, top 24 running back receiver. Uh, but best ball has a tendency to make you want to take those guys that, that can go nuclear, like Denny said. But you want to really take those guys earlier. You want that steady, high level performers, like you said, that we know, and, you know, and at wide receiver, you're forced to start three guys to begin with. So you right. have to you have to roster at least you know 6 of these guys mainly you know 7 to 8 you know in, a, in an ideal situation when you factor in the flex spot and then you, when you realize that last year, you know, uh, only 15 wide receivers were at 50% of signature start percentage, you know, in, mm-hmm. in 2013, you know, for top 24 guys, but there was 18 running backs. So you need those wide receivers drive fast, and they're a commodity. You need to you need to secure as many of those guys on your team because when you factor in bust rates, you know, we're not we're all we're all fallible in this situation. You're gonna have some guys fail, and you want to be able to lock down that position.
1: Yeah, it was actually crazy. I, I did those two bust rate articles in the, over the past week over at Numberfire, and the one thing that was unbelievably clear is that, you know, the bust rates between wide receivers and running backs is fairly similar um, with, you know, uh, we can get into that a little bit. But uh, the front end, the top six guys at the position, so the high-end wide receiver ones and the high-end running back ones, um, while the running back ones certainly bust at a much uh, friendlier rate than the rest of the running back position does. The wide receiver ones are unbelievably consistent year to year. You you get a bust rate um, that's about – so of the top six wide receivers over the last five years, uh, 73.3% of them have finished as wide receiver ones at the end of the season, whereas that, that number is barely over 50% at running back. So – just that in general. And, it, I mean, it, it makes sense, too, because you're getting guys like Calvin Johnson, A.J. Green now, uh, you, you know, Demarius is up there. Um, so you're getting these guys that, that you pretty much know what's going to happen, barring injury, entering the season. And you can't really say that about running back, just given higher injury risk and, and just, you know, the drop-off with is more, seems more, uh, uh, there, there's much more of a, of a wall that they hit with regards to age and such. So that's one of the big things. And that, that you know, to your point, um, I think that's a huge reason why, uh, you know, not even in redraft, I mean, you, you should go at least one elite wide receiver early in redraft, but it's even more advantageous in best balls just because you don't have the ability to hit the waiver wire to get that Keenan Allen from last year or guys like that who who kind of came out of nowhere um, and became wide receiver ones. So. Uh I, I'm, I'm totally with you guys, obviously. I mean, we're going to agree a lot on this podcast, just, just to be clear, because we all have very similar approaches with this. But we just want to share that knowledge, because far too often are we seeing the guys that we all don't value a lot uh, in best balls, quarterbacks and tight ends, going in the first and second rounds of drafts. I'll start with Rich here. Um, Rich, is there any reason to value a quarterback early in a best ball draft?
2: now elite quarterbacks really have no value in these you know definitely for not the price they come at for regular redraft leagues um obviously i'm with you guys not an advocate of taking the quarterback position at its premium price but i understand that you know the the late round quarterback approach isn't for everyone so if you're going to get a qb you know at least take one of the top three guys and elite guys the the biggest trap i have a problem with are people that fall into the the mid-round qb is what i call them Mm -hmm. um which are owners that fall into the 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 Romo ryan level those are those are guys that are just as volatile as the late late guys um mm-hmm. you know they just mask it with overall output right. uh in Lee's league, in these leagues uh which have no waivers no guessing game you know in the streaming approach it really plays up to getting a pair a trio of late guys and, and just letting <laughs> letting it do the work for you um i know it's an anecdotal uh uh scenario here, but if you would have drafted. Uh, Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger last year, that combo only netted you 55 fewer points than Peyton Manning did when you factor in all their top 12 starts that did an overlap, wow. uh, which is one fewer than Manning had. You know, that seems like a large amount of points, but it's not the 120 points Manning outscored Rivers by or the 150 points he outscored Ben by solo then you're making up those points when you factor in the opportunity cost it took to acquire Manning in the first place in his draft slot. Right. So it, it's really easy to let QB uh, you know, fall early and just keep soaking up uh, you know, those high volatile positions that you know are going to bust anyways.
1: Right, yeah, and the other thing with quarterbacks too is that they have an insane floor that people yeah. don't really realize. I mean, every week, you know, guys, I understand that Geno Smith sucks or I understand that Jake Locker isn't very good, but even on their down weeks, they're still giving you a floor that's not going to necessarily kill your team. Let alone, you're going to have one or maybe two other quarterbacks in your squad that can lift that and give you a reasonable QB performance for your roster.
2: Yeah, real quick, just not to, uh, not even to humble brag, but I did, <laughs> I did 23 of these leagues last year. You know, it was the first year that they kind of got popular. Right out of 23 leagues, I had one team that that had more points than any team in all the 23 leagues. My quarterbacks are Robert Griffin III and Matt Schaub. Right, so I, com- I completely bricked the position and had more points than. You know, twelve whatever twelve times twenty three is. I can't do that math in my head right now. You right. Know, uh, sorry to let everyone down.
1: Yeah, he's not. He's not that much of a whiz. <laughs> Was it like two forty six? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah,
2: it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. sounds
0: right. So seven thousand. I just seven
1: thousand. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's about seven thousand. So Denny, kind of to the same, you know, same uh, idea. Do you do you follow the same strategy with regards to tight ends as you would uh, in in a regular league?
0: Yeah, I mean. I I know that we've already had the, the Jimmy Graham discussion, so I don't want to uh We hate Jimmy Graham. We right? <laughs> We think he <laughs> stinks. No, we don't think he stinks. But um I, I I think that there is uh there are such great trios of tight ends that you can piece together mm-hmm. um at the end near the end of these drafts. Um uh or, or even even you know, close close to the um you know, maybe eighth, ninth, tenth round in there you pick up your first tight end, you pick up your second tight end in like the 13th. Um, you'd be surprised what you could piece together. I just uh, as a, and, and you know what, everything we talk about in these situations right now is going to be anecdotal. Um, uh, because there's been so little research put into MFL tens. I know there is, there is some out there, but it's, it's, it's still a relatively new thing when you guys say, I mean, th- we're, there's a lot to explore. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I think that, um, I I found the most success, Uh, you know. Last year, I ended up with Julius Thomas and two um, MFL tens, and you know that was amazing because I got in like the fifteenth round. Uh, So I'm I'm fine with taking that that same that same sort of approach. I I will say that if you if you know listeners go out and play an MFL ten tomorrow uh, and sign up, they're they're going to see that quarterbacks drop. to you know, sometimes crazy rounds. I mean, um, I I picked up Andrew Luck at the end of the ninth round, um, in in a recent one, because I believe he has value there. Um, uh, so you know, the, you will you will see some of those some some you know some of those guys fall and fall and fall. I think last year didn't JJ. You ended up with Aaron Rodgers in one of yeah, them.
1: Yeah, I got him. I think I got him in the middle of the fifth in that one.
0: Right, and that's And that's just that's that's a value play. So right. Um, so I wasn't really thrilled. You, right, I know. You, you threw up in your mouth. I know. I did. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, you know, that's uh, – that, so, so that is something you'll see in MFL 10s because the, the level of, of, of uh, knowledge in an MFL 10 is on the extreme side. I mean, you know, you're talking about people who like, – like Rich who are playing in February, who want to play in February. I mean, they're, you know, it's, it's sick, it's wrong, but, you know, they're out there.
1: Yeah. The, so the, there's one thing that I did want to touch on. Um, and, and obviously I'm, I'm with you guys both with regards to, you know, waiting on tight end, waiting on quarterback. I think tight end, I probably would be more inclined to reach. But when I say reach, I don't mean in the first six rounds. I mean, like maybe, maybe I'll take a chance on a guy in round eight or something like that. Um, just because the position itself is, is somewhat volatile, but at the same time, they're not scoring that much that that many points. So it's not as big of a deal. But the one thing that I, I do want to touch on is this idea, and, and Rich talked about it um, with the elite quarterbacks, and and so I've been having a lot of discussions on Twitter recently. If you follow me, you've probably been really annoyed at the discussions that I've had with like M- Michael Salfino. Uh, I had a crazy conversation with him the other day, but um, one of the, there, there's this idea that. These quarterbacks have these elite quarterbacks have incredibly high ceilings, and what people don't realize is that their week to week ceilings aren't nearly as high as you think. So what I mean by that is, I mean we can use Manning as our example. That's fine, and you can use Manning as an example for forever. It doesn't matter. It was one season, one thing happened, and that is not the norm. It was historical for a reason, right? It's like us using Adrian Peterson's two thousand yard season uh, as an ex- even though he didn't score that many, as many touchdowns as he could have, but. um the idea here is, is that when you look at top six performances or elite performances uh, at the quarterback position, so you're getting high-end quarterback one numbers. Um, when you look at them, uh, the, the guys that pop up from last year aren't necessarily guys that you would automatically expect. And, and not only that, but the quarterbacks who had top six performances, they didn't do it nearly as often as you think. Drew Brees did it five times last year out of uh, through Week 16. Um, That's the same number as uh, Andy Dalton and Cam Newton. Uh, Nick Foles, who didn't even play the entire season, had seven, which is more than Drew Brees. And where did you get Nick Foles? You got him off the waiver wire. He wasn't even in MFL 10s. Um, And then you look at other guys like Alex Smith, Andrew Luck, Colin Kaepernick, Matthew Stafford, RG3. They all had four top six performances. So really, like... what I'm trying to say here is, of course, a Drew Brees has a higher floor and he's more consistent week to week. But if you fill those gaps, you, you know, if you if you look at if you if you build this Frankenstein uh, and, and you bring these, you know, two or three quarterbacks together, they can easily, quite easily, equal Drew Brees. And even even Drew Brees' highs can can be uh, captured by a guy like I mean, freaking Geno Smith last year, and he had one of the worst rookie seasons we've seen in a while from a quarterback had three top six performances, which is as many as Ben Roethlisberger. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy. So I think that's the one thing to really look at. And, and we'll get into, uh, I think, with regards to the individual quarterbacks that we draft. Uh, I think there's a really, really key uh, notion with that that Rich is going to love because it has to do with uh, the Konami code. Hmm. Um, hey, but hey. Anything to add to that, guys? No, it's
2: good. I will say, if you're looking for natural regression from Peyton Manning, which you know I kind of touched upon in these team outlooks I'm doing for XN Sports, Peyton Manning threw 40 red zone touchdowns last year. Nick Foles threw 40 red zone passes. Oh a year ago. my gosh! <laughs> wow. Peyton Manning makes- threw 14 touchdowns while the Broncos were already ahead 10 points. Like this, these are natural things that you could see. They're just these are things that are going pull. This is fantasy gravity working. Yes. Yeah. Wow. You look at that front half of that Broncos schedule and you can you can throw your nose at at strength of schedule or not, but uh they're not hanging thirty five on all those teams in that front half of that schedule. They're not playing the NFC East this year in the AFC South. Uh, yeah. you know, it's if, if you think that, that Peyton Manning's gonna flirt with fifty touchdowns again, I mean you're you're really out of your mind. And if you're gonna pay the premium on those fifty touchdowns, last year it was nice getting them because you got him through the third through fifth round. Now you're paying for a first round or, or, or a top twenty pick, you know. That's that's really hard to do and, and right. you're really cutting off your your, your nose, you know, despite your face there.
0: Right. Yeah. We were we're gonna need uh we're gonna pull out that stat again, I'm sure, when we when we have the the Peyton forty
2: Evans. red zone TDs. Yeah. The, the next closest guy was
1: Andy Dalton with twenty three. That's insane. Right. That's I mean, crazy. And,
2: and and all
1: of them went to Marvin Jones. <laughs> I,
0: I think the be, the best example of of you know, where you could find that regression, it came in that Texans game. uh, uh, the Broncos, uh, the Broncos Texans game late in the season when they were up, I think like 17 and, you know, I guess he was chasing the record. Right. Yeah. So, so, so he was just, they were just chucking it and they, you know, they would have never done that otherwise. Uh, so I think I, I just, I don't, I don't understand how a person would want to pay, like, you know, pay for that ceiling. And just hope for another historic year i right. I, I don't want I don't want to ever hope for an historic year when I draft a
1: guy, yeah, I mean the bottom line, and I'm always going to say this is that fantasy football, the lineup structure does not change nearly as much as people like it doesn't change at all, and trends in football don't change nearly enough to make fantasy football change so drastically. Does that make sense does that is that logical what I just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Okay, Okay. I didn't know if it made sense because I think I said change 14 times. But, like, like I just, you know, there's this idea. It's like, oh, it's a passing league. And it's like, okay, but you're still only starting one quarterback, dude. And not only that, but Jake Locker's passing a lot too. Like, hey, look,
0: look, all I know is that when my Peyton Manning goes against your Jake Locker, I win. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a very, it's just, it's frustrating. So let's just move on from quarterbacks <laughs> for now. Let's Before I get angry.
2: I was trying to weasel my way into the all Peyton Manning show. I know. You really
1: were there. I, could, I, could, I saw what you were doing. All you wanted to do was just trash Peyton Manning. <laughs> so, let's get into uh, the defenses and the kickers, just because this is a common question that I get, at least with MFL 10s. And it's it's kind of strange. I've seen, um, I think that we were in uh, the MFL 10 of death. I think, was it Rummy who, who drafted one defense, I think it was? Or someone did. Um, sorry if it wasn't you, Rummy. Uh, but, you know... Th- how how many kickers sorry how many kickers and how many defenses do you guys usually target? I know Rich you messaged me today on Twitter and said that you had uh, something to talk about with regards to how many defenses to roster, so why don 't you uh, let it out
2: Oh sure, yeah I mean if you're looking for a round i mean if you, any anything after round twelve when you talk about like, the bust rates that like you said mm-hmm. is it, basically mm-hmm. our, our dart, dart throws at the skill position, so anything outside of that if you want to take deep, start taking defenses you're fine um. But yeah, if you look at defensive scoring and what defensive scoring really is about, which is one of my pet peeves about fantasy football, and I think I've expressed this to Denny before too, but all fantasy football invokes or defenses are just scoring touchdowns. It has very little to actually do with being a good defense. I mean, if you look at it, uh, the Eagles had you know one fewer top 12 week than the Seahawks did last year, or the, or the Jaguars had fewer weeks or more weeks than the Dolphins. Mm. Uh, So out of 96 times the defense scored a touchdown or had a return TD, they averaged 15.8 fantasy points, and their weekly average finish was 5.2. Of the 96 defenses that were in the top six or better, regardless if they scored a touchdown or not, 66 of them scored a touchdown. So that's, you know, 70%. Right. Um, so what's the rub is that defensive TDs are wildly unpredictable. You know, a pick six, a, a, a block field goal, uh, you know, a punt return, a kickoff return. Um, so you, you want to grab a couple of these because they're highly volatile options. You know, right. you want to – that can really put up a 20-point game. If you look at like that. A big winner for me last year was I had the Chiefs defense. Not because I thought the Chiefs defense was going to be good. I lucked into them. But the first nine weeks when they played that slew of backup quarterbacks and they scored a defensive touchdown every week, right, right. they were just stacking points. And that's what you want. So you want to throw enough defenses at, at, at the Flyers you can. You know, I think three. You don't want to go crazy. I think three is a really good number, and it was proven by um, –
0: a, a young Cole? a
2: young guy, Kevin Cole, at of just recently wrote a, yeah. an article about that, and, and you know I'm I'm fully on board with that because like you said when you're looking at the bust rates the positions they're all dart throws at, the right. positions at that point right. so a, a defense you know is going to run into one or two weeks that you're really going to use
1: them that that really brings up a good point not only just about bust rates but the information that you know right now going into these drafts is nothing like you don't know what's going on with a with a lot of running back situations with a lot of uh, even wide receiver situations and. And you know who these quarterbacks are going to be. You know who's going to be started at the quarterback position. So rather than trying to say, "Oh, Lamar Miller is going to be starting for Miami," so I'm going to draft him in round seven. You're going to say, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to load up on guys who I know that are starting even earlier than that at, at running back, and then I'm going to get a guy like Carson Palmer or um, you know Ben Roethlisberger later in the draft that I know is going to produce something." So to your point. The same thing could be said about defenses, just later, so you you know that these defenses are going to put up some points some weeks. Um, and so, given that you know that information, I don't know why you wouldn't use it to your advantage. If that makes sense, man, I'm I'm really
0: I'm really all over the place tonight. <laughs> Get it together, JJ. I'm not
1: very I'm not very confident tonight. You guys need to boost my confidence a little bit.
0: It, no, well, this is I I will say that uh, MFL ten territory is a little. Uh, uh just a little alien to me i mean i'm not one of these people who plays in like a hundred of these i mean i play in like eight or nine but right right a year but um but you know i mean rich is great uh matt riddle is great um a a few a few others there on twitter i'm sorry if i'm forgetting anybody um but um you know i i think that it's worth talking about though because it's an increasingly popular format
1: right what's your what's your goal this year rich
2: the initial goal in February was to do a hundred. Uh, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm going to fall way short. The goal is to hit fifty. Yeah. I'm in the low thirties now. Um, you know, you look at these you, you, when you start them off. You've got an eight percent chance of winning, of cashing out. You, you inherently start with that. Um, if you can create create your odds, if you're good enough to, to boost your odds to, to you know twelve to fifteen percent, you know uh, win percentage, then you're gonna you're gonna be really. Uh, you're gonna make out really well. So right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any problem with people just doing small, small amounts of them. Um, it, it's really hard. It's kind of a negative e-me move if you do, but I think it's great for mock drafting. And what, what do you do? You waste ten bucks. Big deal. Right. You know, I mean, if you're gonna play a high volume, uh, that's where you're gonna really try to turn it into something.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for 30. I'm on like 16 right now, so I should, I should hopefully be able to do it by the time. If you, of season, if so. you are a volume player, you
2: make sure that you are monitoring uh, yeah. who, you, oh, yeah. who you're drafting and track your drafting keep track of your diversification. You know, don't don't you know do thirty, then do that, and then realize you know you have you have twenty eight shares of Ben Roethlisberger. Right. You know, right, which is
1: so so a, such a JJ move. No, it wouldn't be. <laughs> anyway, you got Lance
2: Moore. Lance Moore is on here your, your Oh games. my god, yeah,
1: Lance Moore is everywhere. I get Lance Moore in like the tenth round in every every MFL ten that I'm in. Um, so let's so that's kind of the basic strategy. I think you know we all agree that you wait at quarterback and tight end you get uh, uh, two or three defenses at least. Uh, and then running back and wide receiver, you target early wide receiver. There's a little bit more volatility. So you might want to enhance them or get them a little bit more than you would otherwise, but not, not anything tremendous. I think it's still basically the way you would approach, uh, approach a normal draft, but know that, you know, the you know, the one thing that that's really interesting is that, you know, this podcast is called living the stream. It's all about streaming uh, quarterback defenses and tight ends. And, I understand that there's a waiver wire involved there. So your pool of potential streamers is larger than it would be if you were only drafting two or three tight ends or quarterbacks, but at the same time, there's no guesswork. So it's just, it's, it's literally giving you the the best possible situation uh, every week, which is another way to kind of think about why you wait on quarterback and tight end and such. Um, So let's move into more of the individual players that we're kind of targeting in these best ball drafts. I'll start real quick, I guess, with, with the quarterback position. Um, I mentioned it earlier with those elite performances, and uh, you know, with regards to, to these elite quarterbacks not having as high of a ceiling as you think they were. So I looked at the top six performances last year and how many times they hit the top six or high-end QB1 numbers. And you know how Drew Brees only had five, and Nick Foles had seven, and so on. But one of the things that, that really jumped out was the fact that the players who had, let's say, three – that were lower tiered players entering the season. So not necessarily, not even necessarily Andy Dalton or Ben Roethlisberger, but I'm talking about like Geno Smith. I mean, they they have, it's it's the Konami code. They can run the football. They can, Ryan Fitzpatrick had three top six performances last year. And it's because Ryan Fitzpatrick is a, is a monster. He has so much athleticism, guys. He's a monster. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's the one thing that I really look for um, with these uh, late round quarterbacks uh, in these leagues. So I'm looking at guys like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, Alex Smith is like a staple on my NFL tens. I have him. I, I probably haven't diversified enough with regards to Alex Smith. I, th- th- I mean seriously, like Alex Smith is not a great quarterback. I'm not even remotely in love with him as a real quarterback, but he's phenomenal from a fantasy perspective in that offense. It just works. Um, Geno Smith, um, EJ Manuel. I have some some stock with with Manuel. Um, so I think you know targeting those guys that are that are mobile uh, is definitely a, a really Important thing to look at when you're drafting your quarterbacks. Do you guys agree? Disagree?
0: I do, and I know you hate Andy Dalton, but he's yeah, going. I know. He's. I know. He, he's going in the 12th to 13th round of these things, and you know, uh, as as we've seen over and over, um, you know, he 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 goes bonkers against yeah. bottom yep. defenses. Yep. So you know, I don't know if you can if you can bank on you know two or three nuclear performances a year from Dalton um you know especially within the in the new offense and everything um but I think that that he's worth a shot down there he won't give you that 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 rushing yardage um how, how do we feel about Manziel in these NFL teams I, I,
1: so I have a I have a very strong opinion on Johnny Manziel and I think that was it last pod that I meant I said it was some podcast where uh actually it might have been with uh, Adam Pfeiffer but I I really I really am against drafting Johnny Manziel in these in these things, and the reason for that is number one, you have no you just don't know right now. I understand that it it's it, it it would make sense if he started in Cleveland this year, I get it. But number one, you don't necessarily know that, so that's the first barrier. And then the second barrier is I understand that he has the legs to be able to produce, uh, but the one thing that I don't feel confident about is that passing game whatsoever. So you still need some sort of passing semblance, which is why I kind of view Alex Smith as like a like just a better version of Johnny Manziel. Not not from like don't take that the wrong way. I'm talking about production only in this sense, and I think Manziel might be able to post you know a 50. Let's say he posts a 50 yards rushing per game average, um, but that's not going to be necessarily so so far off from a guy like Alex Smith. And then if you look at their passing numbers, I don't see Manziel. I don't see him coming close to what Alex Smith does, for instance. So. I'm I'm staying away from Manziel. I think there's too many barriers. I think there's too many question marks. There's certainly upside, but if I'm gonna if I'm getting a quarterback, I don't want to necessarily guess like that. Rich, you're 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 near the Cleveland area.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- th- I'm with you. I mean, I I basically just basically pen down all the guys. I I pulled up my cheat sheet and uh, and pull all the guys I have the most ownership of. And actually, the quarterback I have the most ownership of is Alex Smith. Boom. That's because um, we're the
1: exact same drafter.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's. If you look at Alex Smith, he's basically the the real football version of Charlie Brown. Like he's like he's like a battered spouse in real life. Like like it doesn't matter. Like this guy can't win. Uh, like he just uh, is constantly getting the football pulled out on him. You know, by Lucy, uh, he gets no respect. He was. I did uh, a a post for XN Sports where I went beyond the top twelve finishes and basically broke down quarterbacks because you know you might have a quarterback that finished. QB 13 right, were right, or right. or the points were different. you might add a, a week where just everyone scored like eighteen points, and like right. your guy scored 15, it was still good, but he didn't finish in, in that in that top 12 group, so basically, I did it where you broke it down into usable starts, and right. I broke down all the points, and Alex Smith finished sixth in u- usable starts and out of all quarterbacks in the NFL wow. last year um, so and then he, he was so
1: wait, is that you're basically just saying that he when, when he blew up, it was just unlucky when he blew up, correct, yeah, okay,
2: yeah, okay. exactly. Um, yep. you know, and, and yeah, he was he was sixth in all quarterbacks and rushing attempts too. Like you said, the Konami Code factor. He's right. just an, he's just an extremely. Safe floor guy that isn't sexy. That's why no one likes him. But he is locked down in that offense. He said, he's gonna throw thirty-five passes, he's gonna run six to eight times, he's gonna get you maybe one to two touchdowns. He's attached to maybe one of the best playmakers uh in the game that can house anything. We saw the one game right. Raiders. He threw passes that went ten he threw four <laughs> passes that went fourteen yards combined in the air, and he threw for three hundred yards and four touchdowns right. because Jamal Charles got fire coming out of his shoes. Right. You know, um- yeah, but I mean Alex Smith, and he's falling. He's falling farther. If you look at what he did last year and where he's getting drafted now, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, it's
1: really, it's really, really interesting. And, and like I said, he had uh, his top six. I know. So whenever we, whenever like we cite these weekly numbers, it's just very. It's a lot easier to because you hope that those cutoffs that you were talking about, Rich. You know, you hope that there isn't an Alex Smith example. You hope that it just kind of evens out at the end. That. Uh, you know, one week he might get unlucky, but then the next week he would get lucky, that kind of thing. Uh, right. but, but with regards to Alex Smith, I mean, like I said, he had the same number of top six performances as Kaepernick, uh, Stafford and R- I mean RG3 who was hurt, but RG3 also is, is everyone's upside lover. And because he, <laughs> because I don't even know what that means. I think that's an 80s song. <laughs> <laughs> He's an upside lover. Nice.
2: Get some crooning to too, from
1: how I it. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, RG3 is everyone's upside lover. <laughs> and... I mean... But Alex... <laughs> but <laughs> Alex Smith... Alex Smith is producing, like, what, what RG3 is producing. So... I know it sounds crazy, but it's just what happens. But so, so to answer your question, Benny, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like Rich and I don't like Johnny Manziel. Are you are yeah. you are you on board? I know that you like you. are yeah. more you're much more of a risky fantasy player than Rich I, and I are.
0: I, I am, hence you know, hence David Wilson. <laughs> <and everything. laughs> right. um, it's so, the price. Yeah, no, I just can't exactly. Uh, I, I can't resist the uh, appeal. Of you know, an, an RG three type usage in tw- like like he had in twenty twelve with with the young younger Shanahan, right. um, that that to me is just is, is very hard to look at and, and say it, just just the possibility of it to look at and here, say no 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 I don't want that.
1: Here's a, here's another way of looking at that that I've I've kind of thought about. So let's assume that we know that Johnny Manziel starts right. So I don't know what, what's his. Do you guys know what his ADP is in these MFL tens? Uh, is he getting drafted? I mean, I'm assuming he's. he's I think he's. Oh yeah, I've seen his name. Drafted. Yeah,
0: yeah. Fifteenth round. 14th. Yes.
1: Okay. So let's let's even assume it's the fifteenth round. If if we were to know for a fact that Johnny Manziel is going to be Cleveland's starter, where do you think that he his ADP would jump to? Oh man,
0: I I think he would jump to like the ninth round.
1: You think? Yeah, I think he he definitely probably
2: will get close to that 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 last tier of of guys that are kind of on that that fringe QB one ish area. I think he definitely would because of that Konami Code factor and the excitement. Like you said, uh, people want want that uh, desirable ceiling that they we don't even know is real.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That I mean, like this is this is just like case in point of my risk aversion in fantasy football. I mean, I just I, I can't I just I've seen good things happen to these rookie quarterbacks, but I've also not seen them have the same prospects entering the league as Johnny Manziel. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I I totally understand the upside. I get it. And I understand the way that Denny plays fantasy and it works because he's good at fantasy. So I can't, I mean, mommy and daddy might be fighting right now, but, it, but at least <laughs> <laughs> at least in the end, we're going to make up, and we're going to sleep in the same bed tonight.
0: That's the, oh, oh, wow. Oh, I, oh. You said it on air. Huh? Dude, I'm all over the place tonight. They, I have to say about Alex Smith, and I probably mentioned this. Maybe I even said these exact same words uh, last year, but Alex Smith is, to me— uh, the ultimate litmus test for a person's ability to separate real football from fake football.
1: Yeah, it's true. And it's very because,
0: true. as you can see on Twitter every day, Chiefs fans hate them They don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> right. Just like Forty ers fans hated them didn't want anything to do with them. I loved him. Uh, yes, you were. You were the one. You were the one. And um, but you know now, and and even now, uh, you know, like Rich and I were talking yesterday. Like, if you talk about Alex Smith. Like drafting Alex Smith and using him in 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 your redraft leagues. Yeah, you are um, an idiot. People will be like, oh, <laughs> I'd rather have Peyton. Oh, damn! Right. So would I. But like, right, <laughs> right, right. But I can get Alex Smith after Ryan Tannehill, which blows my mind.
1: Yeah, I, uh, Tannehill. Oh my gosh, Tannehill. Rich, Rich, and I have messaged each other about Tannehill a little bit. We're both
0: because I've done I've done those
1: those early quarterback studies using net expected points stuff, and Tannehill always comes out as like. Like, he's probably not going to have a good career kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so he's he's definitely uh, he's not a guy that I... I mean, I own him in some of my MFL 10 teams, but he's definitely not a guy that I'm necessarily targeting. Give me Alex Smith over him all day. All the, day. Big, the biggest lie in,
2: in, in real football is the, this guy could be a franchise quarterback that's already played two years. But we'll right, just, yeah. We'll, that's keep exactly. giving, we'll keep giving him shots. Exactly. That's, that's, <laughs>
1: that's the definition of QB purgatory. That's the definition of the St. Louis Rams. Is, is what it is. Yeah, um, Tannehill,
2: Tannehill's new Sam Bradford to me. That's exactly yeah, it's the perfect true. way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly wow. correct. Good call. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so, running backs. I'll just go, I have a list of just random guys that I've, like, been targeting, kind of, not necessarily targeting. You know, whenever, I had a discussion today, you know, whenever you're diversifying at least a little bit, um, you know, you're not really targeting certain guys, you're kind of Waiting to see who's falling in your lap rather than actually going after certain players because you don't want to reach. You're trying to find value in all of these places. So one guy that like, I mean, I haven't done enough study on and research on, but one guy that I feel like is 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 pretty uh, undervalued is Alfred Morris in these in these MFL tens and. This is a good discussion about consistency versus upside. So I understand that Alfred Morris does not have an insane weekly ceiling just because of the kind of running back that he is. But I think that he can give you that steady floor. Even you know, even if he plays more of that Ben Jarvis Green Ellis type role in um, in that Gruden offense, I think that he's still you know he's still going to get two hundred plus carries. He's still going to be a relevant back, and he's been drafted at times in the fifth round. He's been drafted at times around Trent Richardson and. To me, it's a similar-ish situation. I know Trent Richardson can catch the ball a lot better than Alfred Morris can, or has more opportunity to catch the ball. Uh, But with Alfred Morris, I've I've seen him kind of drop down because he doesn't have that upside allure like a C.J. Spiller has, for instance. So that's one guy that I found uh, dropping to me. The other guy is another guy that you can get in the fifth, maybe sixth round, is Rashad Jennings, who I'm super high on. He has unbelievable efficiency scores uh, outside of the season after he hurt his knee, um, which is, I mean... He literally, not even from a fantasy. I know that I think that you've done the, the fantasy point per touch on him, Denny, correct? with Yeah. With in, in
0: in standard, not PPR In standard, it's 0. 0.86. Yeah. It's per, insane. Per touch.
1: Yeah. And he, his, his uh, net expected points per, per rush, um, rushing net expected points per rush is one of the best in the league that we've seen over the past five years. And if you remove that one season after his knee injury, it's just through the roof. And it's interesting because the Giants started using more and more analytics and, then they went out and signed Jennings, so I, I think that they're I, I really, I, I'm. I think that Jennings could be a guy that ends up being like a like a high end RB two this year. I, I really, I really do. Um, yeah. And then you know, kind of later on, I think the one thing to really think about is to get handcuffs who are still going to be used in some way in an offense. See, they're not completely worthless sitting on your bench, but um, just looking at some guys that that are you know maybe maybe even like a Donald Brown. I know that that Rich Rich is a Donald Brown lover. Um, I keep saying, I keep (laughs) phrasing things like that. Um, and then I also, I've looked at some of the Carolina running backs because they're, they're dropping. D'Angelo Williams is in like the 11th round. Jonathan Stewart's in like the 18th, 14th, something like that. Um, so those are, those are some other guys I'm targeting. Do you guys want to throw any more names out there?
0: You mean, you mean there's like flyers?
1: Just names in general that you've been targeting at running back.
0: Just, oh, oh, at running back. Oh, um, uh. The ones you named were, were guys I'm going for. Rich, were there any that jumped out to you?
2: Like I said, I, I wrote down guys, just the three guys at <laughs> each position that I had the most shares of, or the four yeah. positions. And I think we all know who I own the most shares of here. And it's the original okay. knight of the fantasy roundtable, Lancelot Dunbar. Yes, uh, you know, I actually I'm, had
1: that on on this list, and I didn't. I, I said my notes say handcuffs who have opportunity. <laughs> Dunbar is one you love, Rich. I'm contractually
2: contractually obligated to mention Lance Dunbar on every podcast I appear on <laughs> in 2014. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I'll, real, I'll be real brief because I've done this. I've done the Dunbar stick, you know, for since April. Uh, like but but when, when Linehan was in Detroit, uh, running backs caught 47% of all receptions. The RB2 averaged 47 targets per season. Um, like I said, he's got marginal, standalone, flex value. He's going to be used, uh, but, he, you know, and he – and he stands to inherent a PPR goldmine if DeMarco Murray is to miss the one to two games uh, that, that we've known him to miss over the first three years of his career. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, that runs hard and, and you know, he runs vertically and, and he gets hurt. You know, it happens. It's the NFL. Uh Dunbar's going to be used. He's going to run into weeks. Maybe you get that one week in a redraft where you have Dunbar on your bench just because he's only getting five touches, and then he goes ballistic, you don't get to use him. Here you can. Here you get that two-touchdown game Lance Dunbar magically right. has in week six. You get those points. Niall Davis is another guy the same way. He's a guy yep. we saw at the end yeah, of the year. Cool uh get get touches and he's a guy that can house long touches you know but in here you you get those and then obviously if something were to happen to Jamal Charles uh you know all all three of those guys backups Kadeem Carey Niall Davis and Chris Polk are all three guys that target because they inherit they're going to inherit you know just a a ton of workload if that was to go down
0: you know an injury to one of those top three guys but yeah Lancelot Dunbar is my guy
1: yeah and the the one thing sorry Danny go ahead
0: I was just going to say, not, I have now Davis on on two of my four MFL ten teams so far because I just I, th- I feel like he is like th- maybe the most obvious. Just plug him in top ten yeah. weekly, uh, you know, running back um, as we Handcough, saw yeah. as we saw when he got his chance after Jamal went down with that concussion in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing, the thing too, like we were talking about earlier with bust rates. Once you get past round twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you're you're literally throwing darts. Your chance of hitting on running backs and wide receivers is so slim. And getting getting a handcuff, I mean, like I said, getting a handcuff that actually does some sort of work is, is great because you're getting some sort of floor from that position. But at the same time, if you're getting a handcuff that will uh, truly jump into a role and he could really become uh, an RB1, that's that's just, as, that's just as good as just throwing a dart. I mean, it's from a strategy perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if you um, look at, Oh, sorry, yeah, no, in the in the
2: in the middle you see a lot of people do the the, the joik reggie, you know, pairing, but it's harder to do now cuz their their gap is really closing. Yeah. But you can really do the San Diego pairing if you want to. You right. can do all three too and and it's it's worth sucking up that roster, because you have the entire backfield on lockdown, right. you can get in the 4th and 5th around Ryan Matthews, in the 7th 8th get Danny Woodhead, and then in the 13th plus get Donald Brown, and right. no matter what happens, you're going to get the best point total that week, because we saw it with San Diego last week, they were one of the teams that took a real hard left in season in terms of play calling,
1: yeah.
2: uh, you look at the, what they did in the, you know, the first 8 weeks, they were a 58% pass team, then they were 50-50 the back half, mm. uh, Danny Woodhead and Ryan Matthews traded uh, you know, halves right. of the season in fantasy football, uh, Danny Woodward was a, was an RB one, and then he only had three top twenty four weeks uh, the back half, and then Ryan Matthews had three, and then he had seven the last eight games. Right. So that's I, that's a, a pairing I like a lot if you can do it because you, you lock down all the game flow scenarios and it's totally affordable, and you don't have to reach for any guy.
1: Yeah, it's that's it's a, that's a really good point. Um, are there any are there any wide receivers that you guys are are specifically targeting?
0: I'll start with Denif, Tavon, and I Tavon Austin, and I think that. Uh, that Pat Thorman laid out the case for for why you why you want to just you know take take a swing on him and and see what happens. Um, I you know I don't know where his ADP is at the moment in MFL right. tens, but when I got him, I got him in the fourteenth round. Right. And it was like between him and a bunch of guys who you know like may not even make the roster. So right. Um. Um. And you know we saw last year that what 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 Tavon Austin can do when he actually does. You know get the ball a few times and and, and break a few tackles and you know and uh, break those long runs uh, so um, I feel like he's a guy who I'm, I'm gonna end up with you know with a lot of late late shares until and until and unless his uh, his adp rises uh, yeah. uh, and also um, the guy that um, you know that uh, rich mentioned in his great uh, uh, Vikings rundown whose name is escaping me and I've been trying to advance Jerry, for- Jerry is right There it is. Yeah, Jarius right. Jarius right. I have a few shares in him as as well because I think I think that he's a big play guy. Yeah. Yeah. One injury. I mean, even without an injury, you know. I mean, you know, like Rich mentioned in his article, you know, Greg Greg Jennings is nothing but a possession receiver now. He he has no explosiveness. He's an old guy. Just you know, just uh, kind of manipulating defenders with his route running ability. Really, at this point in his career, which is which is fine. But you know, um, a Wright is a guy. Jarius Wright is a guy who is going to have a couple weeks where he puts up crazy, you know, fantasy numbers. So
1: right, Rich, do you have I any more guys that I know? The I I, actually, I know one, Tory Smith. Correct?
2: No, no. I mean, I do have some shares of Tory Smith, but he's a guy. You know, the most of the guys that I have the most shares of are guys that you know I, I tend to pluck later. You know, as the, yeah. as the upside plays, like I mentioned, Dunbar and Alex Smith and the receivers no different. The guy I have the most shares of right now is Marcus Wilson. Uh, he goes very late in these, you know, in the 13th round plus. The I love Wilson because he's a play on three different injury dominoes. Uh, because the only time the wide receiver three in a Tressman offense has really been fantasy relevant is when there's no tight end presence. Right. Uh, Tressman just has a really shallow ball distribution You know his offense. They, he gets yep. the ball to four guys. He gets the guy to play makers. That's, that's how they move the sticks. That's how they score touchdowns. Uh, but I love adding Wilson when you already have Marshall or Jeffrey. Because not only do you handcuff your guy if he was to go down, but you also handcuff the opposite guy that goes down. And if if you own Marshall Jeffrey, so now you have double wide receiver one production in an offense. Uh, yeah. So I feel like he's the ultimate upside uh, play in these.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good one. And another guy that that I've noticed that just has dropped a huge. I and mean, He's the number seventy one receiver being drafted. Is Doug Baldwin. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not even necessarily super high on him. He's super efficient. Just given that offense, a lot of the wideouts in that offense are really efficient. But I mean. You're you're getting him at the seventy first overall wide receiver, which to me is kind of insane. Uh, but and then an earlier guy that I am targeting more than I would uh, in other seasons, just because of his eighty. It's it's the post type stuff is Mike Wallace. I mean, he's going to be in that laser offense. Um, he's a big play guy. I understand that Ryan Tannehill's terrible at, at giving him the ball and to make that big play. Uh, but he did still have four top twelve weeks last year. Which is the same as Alshon Jeffrey, um, and and I think that that you know it's he, not sometimes he's he's falling to me. Like I said, I'm not reaching for any of these guys, but sometimes he's falling to me in, in like the seventh round, which is, is decent value in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I have some I have a couple shares of Wallace.
1: Yeah, um. So let's
0: uh, let's end this with tight ends. Uh, Rich, you want to give us some
1: names of of guys that you have uh, high shares of?
2: One guy I have trouble getting away from is Garrett Graham. Yeah. Oh, he's the, he's, the, he's the guy I the most exposure to. Uh, he's going to be playing that Aaron Hernandez role in the Bill O'Brien offense. Um, we, we know the Texans really don't have a real wide receiver three. That's a real slot pr- presence. Uh, the Andre Johnson situation is still in a really combustible stage. I mean, this isn't a regular holdout where a guy wants more money. This guy doesn't want to work at his place of employment. Right. Um, R- Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, can Love really him. only yeah can really only throw ten yard passes from the li- in from the line of scrimmage. <laughs> that's all we've seen. Uh, you know, so he peppers the tight ends. Delaney Walker. Was only on a 70 target pace with Jake Locker and was on a 110 pace target with, uh, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is what he does. He peppers intermediate targets. I wouldn't be shocked if at all if, if Garrett Graham has a top uh, top uh, eight season in PPR leagues and tight ends. Yeah, but, I,
1: have, I have Graham on my list as all the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing is really, really key there, I think. You know, it's real. I mean, it's very real. Delaney Walker was legit This whenever Ryan Fitzpatrick took over in. Uh, in Tennessee, he was on Delaney Walker was like a, a member of Living the Stream. The second half of the season, it was unbelievable.
0: Right, I mean, he like Jared Cook early in the season. He was actually outside <laughs> yeah. your bedroom window at some point. Yeah, another
1: another free guy in there that uh, I think uh, uh, because ASJ got drafted by by Tampa Bay is, is Tim Wright. I think that he's still going to play a role in that offense, and he's still he's a big big body. You can he's very athletic. Uh, I mean, he plays that wide receiver tight end hybrid role. Um, and I've talked to my buddy Leo Hal, who is uh, a big Bucks guy who writes about the Bucks, and he, he does not believe Tim Wright is going anywhere, and you can get him for free yeah. in every MFL 10. So he's another guy. And then uh, Heath Miller, who I love, is more of a high-floor guy uh, later in your draft. you. Some drafts he just goes incredibly early, like the ninth round, which I would never get him at. But if he drops to like the twelfth, I think that he's a solid uh, option. I think that he has that eight touchdown upside. Uh, given given uh, red zone threat, Jericho Cotri is no longer in Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> red zone monster.
1: Red zone monster.
0: I was just looking at uh, Garrett Graham's uh, ADP for MFL tens. He's the twenty sixth tight yeah, end off absurd. the board. Yeah, that that's that's crazy. And just looking at the guys ahead of him, Kobe Fleener is going three tight ends ahead of ahead of him and like let's say about ten picks ahead of him. I uh, and I, I don't like, you know, I make a point of saying that I never write off a player, but like there are not enough rounds in NFL <laughs> L ten for me to take Kobe Fleener. So um you know, Gar Garrett, Garrett Graham's actually I mean that's a great point, Rich is a gigantic value. He's going he's go, I mean, he's going after uh Jason Morrow? We know yeah. his
2: role. Like we already know what Graham's gonna do. Yeah. Like, we already is... know what how he's gonna be involved in the offense. There's no yeah. guesswork. Like, this, we know. Yeah.
1: This is a great example with, with like Amaro, is that everyone on like the you have to understand the demographic of my fantasy league. It's guys that play dynasty and it's guys that really overvalue not I mean, they're naturally going to overvalue Easy. rookies a little bit. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. They're they're naturally they're naturally going because they know they know these guys. They've been following these guys. They know what these guys are capable of doing at the NFL level. And so, like a guy like Amaro, I'm I'm this is just I'm just throwing I, like he could he could certainly have. I had this discussion with Salfino as well. Uh, rookie tight ends don't do anything in the NFL. They just don't. So. If you want to bank on them, fine, have it. I'm sure that they're going to have a few usable weeks, but it's really not something that – it's not a position that transitions well as rookies into the NFL. So the fact that him and ASJ have, have what, 18 and 19 Mm -hmm. ranked tight end ADPs, which is ahead of Delaney, who I'm not necessarily high on, but Antonio Gates – I'd even take take Fleener over them, Travis Kelsey – Keith Miller, not Jared Cook. I'm not going to say Jared Cook. Garrett Graham though. I mean there's guys that that are most certainly going to be more usable than those rookie tight ends uh, this year in fantasy.
0: Mommy and daddy are about to fight again, JJ, because <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, cuz Jared Cook. I have I'm I, have, I know you're on this. you're I on this insane
1: Jared, Jared Cook Jared role. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I Danny
2: loves sequels
1: though.
0: I, oh yeah, I, he, I, loves,
1: he loves he's... franchises.
0: Man, he loves them. <laughs> I do. I watched a lot of Friday the Thirteenth, and you know what? The killer always comes back. So, so um, oh,
1: so so Jared Cook's going to have a great Week One again.
0: Yeah, oh no! Well, listen, Jared Cook. I'm just saying, Jared Jared Cook, the killer of my fantasy teams last year, is coming back. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, okay. So he. Okay. So he's going to be a killer again.
0: Yeah. So, okay. but but I I mean, look, the, the, there's not much. He's the 22nd tight end coming off the board. Uh, he's going after Romaro, which yeah was, yeah, and yeah again. Yeah. And you know, I pointed out on this on the XN uh, fantasy sports uh, article that his per target efficiency was not anything close to dreadful last year. It's just that he only got like eighty two targets or eighty four right. targets. I mean, give him give him one hundred and five targets, and let's see let's see what he can do. You know, maybe he won't even get that, but if he does, he'll be he'll be he'll be worth it. And and just shut up, guys. Just shut up. <laughs>
1: we 'll let you have him, yeah, but yeah, I, like Tim we'll have him Tim Wright's going thirty first which i mean he's gonna he's he's gonna play some role, i mean yeah. he's gonna he's gonna catch a pass <laughs> because his current a d p says that he's gonna catch zero passes
0: um i okay, can we just i mean just- and i think number fire actually had a great thing on this today, um ladarius green, yeah, going as the twelfth tight end off the board,
1: right. and
0: um the starter ahead of him. Is going as the 19th tight end off the board,
1: right? It's very interesting. I think that uh, Rich, Rich, are you you're on the you're are you on the green side?
2: Uh, As far as these pertain, I don't mind his ADP. Uh, He's probably a guy I won't own in a regular redraft league. But when we're talking about uh, bust rates and not being or and then being able to draft for ceilings, I mean, what's he doesn't need a lot of dominoes to fall to really. Tilt you in one of these, in in one of these scenarios. I mean, he, he doesn't even need Gates to really get hurt. They have really no wide receiver two on that roster, unless someone really thinks Malcolm Floyd or Vincent Brown is is really going to turn into like a real real time player in that offense. But I mean, yeah, I, I won't I won't own him like I said a regular draft league, but in like these where I don't have to. To, to fight the waiting game with him or pick yeah. and choose when I use him, I don't mind because he does have an astronomical ceiling. Maybe that ties into JJ's dynasty rant and, and, and believing what a guy can do. But he, he showed it at the end of the year too. He just didn't really get the, the full go. And they used him a lot in that playoff game against the Bengals. So, I mean, I'm not really ready to close the door on him being like a like a screaming chasing points thing because I feel like guys like him and Dan right. Denny's guys, Zach Ertz, I like those guys a lot more in this format than I do in a regular format at their ADP because you don't have to play the the guessing game. Like so there's no guesswork. When these guys have a, a three catch, two touchdown game, you're gonna
1: right. get those.
2: No, the, I mean is a yeah, yeah. guy that's yeah. capable of doing it.
0: You're right.
1: Yeah, it it it, may, it does it does make a lot of sense. I I mean I still I still approach the tight end position in these things. I usually go after a a fairly decent floor guy like I'm gonna draft two tight ends right Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna go after a decent floor guy I don't mind like Antonio Gates as that guy necessarily uh but if I'm gonna go for the ceiling guy I mean the problem I see I know what Denny's talking about and I, I, I I I really I really don't the problem is I really don't have a strong enough opinion to be talking about this right now which is which is the issue like I I see both sides I understand wanting to draft both sides I think it's very very interesting that there's such a an a huge gap between these two players. That's that, that I yeah. think is, is the is bit like I think Gate like I think Green's ADP makes sense, but I think Gates Gates' ADP should probably be higher than it is. Yeah. I, yes. agree
0: with that. I, I, I agree with that. And and Rich has a point. You don't have to pick and choose which you know which weeks you're gonna use Green in this format. And and, you know, in the case that, you know, Gates goes down for a certain number of games um green becomes uh, an extraordinary value uh yeah. a uh a, a game changing value if i if i will use the phrase
1: <laughs> yeah there's there's no reason that that Heath miller should be the twenty fourth tight end off the board also just throwing that out does he right. still
0: play he still plays football oh
1: yeah okay yeah
0: i didn't Here, i, I, I wasn't aware i'm sorry <laughs> yeah,
1: i it's just like <laughs> like i understand he's well how, like I understand that he's getting up there in age, but, like, like he, he tore his freaking ACL at the end of the 2012 season. That's why he did not perform very well during the first half of last year. And he started to come into form. The whole offense played a lot better. There, there's a reason. It's not just... Uh, sorry, I'm going on a slight Steelers rant here. But the, the fact that the Steelers played well the second half of the season is not just because Ben Roethlisberger was running the no huddle more. It was because everyone started to get healthy. Heath Miller was healthier. They had Le'Veon Bell. They weren't using Jonathan Dwyer in the backfield. I mean... There were a lot of reasons why things started to come together for that offense, and they were like a top-five offense during the second half of the season. I think Heath Miller's going to step in. Jericho Cotter had twenty plus, 22 red zone targets last year. Jericho Cotter's gone. In comes the, the midget, Lance Moore, who's not going to be a red zone threat, <laughs> and you're going to throw Heath Miller in there because he's the only guy that has size on that team that can be a red zone threat. Done. There. Sorry. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't my rant actually. (laughs) Oh man. All right. So I think that that about covers everything that we, any, anyone have anything else to add about these best ball leagues and, and strategy or players that you're targeting or anything like that? I, I just enough.
2: encourage people to to go out and, and do them, you know. What it, you know, it's it. This is basically my mock drafting. You know, a lot of people do a lot of mock drafts. I, I basically, like I said, I've, I've been doing these since February. I've saw the ebbs and flows on on certain player values and how people treated them. So I might not even do a mock draft this year because my hand, my finger's been on the pulse the entire time. I just encourage people to go out and do them yeah. and and just explore them. Like I mean, if you're out ten bucks, you're out ten bucks. I mean, we've all spent ten dollars on it, worse than that. I took my son to see Transformers last weekend, so I mean. <laughs> you know i encourage encourage you Scott, got and give it a go it's, it's something new and it's something fun <laughs>
1: that, was, that was good i like that how fast did your son run to the transformers movie oh he
2: made my wife go the week after this week so he went see the son oh, again man. so
1: he loved it man <laughs> anyway all right so let's get into some ranting rich i don't know if you want to last time so you were on the podcast like two or three months ago ish um you're you basically our our token guest whenever we have guests on here, but you rant you ranted about the grocery store, which was pretty good. I don't know if you had another rant tonight or if you wanted to just pass. So let us know.
2: Yeah, sure. I'll I'll be brief. It kind of ties into what I said. Uh, you know, at first I thought I was gonna rant about Home Depot because I was gonna play off the grocery store thing, <laughs> but I'm not quite as as locked in as I was Uh-oh. that night. Um. So real real quick, I'll rant on something about f- fantasy football. Wise and it's in comfort, you know, and not meatloaf or your recliner. Um, but this its effect on fantasy football. You know, we can have a chicken and egg discussion, you know, on strategy or picking the, the right players all day and not come out ahead. But the biggest biggest mistake I see people of uh, making in fantasy football and drafting is just doing what's comfortable, uh, whether that's inside of a draft, you know, uh, in trades, on waivers. Uh, it applies in all facets of fantasy football. I'm not endorsing going out and being reckless, you know, but but make operating in an uncomfortable climates, you know, your comfort zone, make that comfortable for you. Uh, go try new things in mocks, like I just said. Do an MFL ten or two. Uh, you know, do do some wacky things in your league. See what happens. You know, being in uncomfortable situations uh, is, is the stone on the steel uh, for your fantasy football sword. You know, so take that sword and uh, you know, go, go Uma Thurman vengeance bender on your league. You know, uh, <laughs> that's that's what I encourage people to do. And like I said, with the MFL ten things, you know, do things that are uncomfortable for you in fantasy football. I, I find too much, and it's not just a group think, group think thing. Uh, you know, just just go out of your comfort zone and see how it feels. See what you find out, because it's going to make you a better player.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's, a very, that's some very good advice. I'm sure Denny loved that with his yes. uh, I, psychology-driven work yeah. that he's done. No, no,
0: that's, that's actually, I mean, I, I've said it before, and, and I think that, you know, I, I, well, I remind myself of this, um, you know, every, every summer is that um, the teams uh, that I feel least comfortable with after a draft, are often the teams that do the best for me during the season, yeah. and and it's when it's when I it's when I come away from a draft saying, "Man, this team's unbeatable." Those are the teams that are far from unbeatable, right? So right. That's that's just – and and uh, my my rant, it, it's not really a rant, but it's it's sort of it's sort of similar, uh, in, in the same vein as, as what Rich was saying is is to you know be. Just be wary in the next couple of months, as, as you start doing drafts, um, uh, to you know be wary of the fantasy football reactionary. You know, um, someone who bases their um, their valuations on on sort of a backwards looking vision of fantasy value, and you know we got into that with with Peyton Manning um, a little earlier in the, in the podcast talking about. Um, you know, natural regression. I think Rich said it best when he said, um, "The uh, that's just fantasy football gravity working." Um, you know, so so you know, be, just be careful because it's because it's very easy. And and I, I do it sometimes. I think we all tend tend to go back to the season before and say, "Well, this happened last season, therefore this this thing must happen this year," and that that sort of evaluation is um, the most the most dangerous and and probably the, the the least optimal of them all. Um, so just just be careful uh, of, the, of that sort of reactionary stance on a player and and when you see uh, when you see you know just the, the consensus opinion reflecting that sort of uh, reactionary stance, that, that should make you pause and say, wait, do I really should I really feel this way about this guy or should I really look you know look again and, and, and see what I see? and reevaluate um you know where where i would take this guy in a draft um so that's just something to be aware of as you as you approach because you know i mean believe it or not we're you know three weeks away from real draft starting here
1: right yeah it's good
0: advice very good advice
1: (laughs) It's very, very frustrating where people, the thing that I found, it's not only about players either, it's strategy. I mean, how often, I mean, I wrote the late round quarterback because people were reacting to the 2011 season with quarterbacks and they said, oh, now you need to draft quarterbacks early. So it's not necessarily, you know, to your point, I mean, like, obviously it's about players, but it's even about strategy
0: with fantasy. And that was a reactionary stance. It was, you know, 2000 uh, after the 2011 season, people said, well, it was obvious last year that you had to have a top end quarterback to be successful in fantasy football, not re- not not even acknowledging that, that many of those top end quarterbacks were drafted as late round quarterbacks.
1: Right, right. Stafford, perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for mine, I'll try to make this quick because I've I ranted about this on Twitter and, and heard some backlash, but I didn't really care. Uh I'm, I'm really getting tired of the idea that you that in fantasy football, you just need to choose the right players. And, and if you choose the right players, that you're fine. Uh, and of course that that's true. But when you look at places like fantasy pros and, and rankings in general, um, there's clearly not 100% accuracy with the player selection. And not only that, but from expert to expert or from person to person, not only because of groupthink, but just because of think, uh, you know there's not there's not that much there's there's we're all human there's not going to be that much differentiation so you know I think the one key I think that it's kind of lazy whenever people say just choose the right players and you're fine because what you're trying to do is understand the odds and where players are being drafted and how they bust because uh, you know just like all three of us love like we all love to analyze that, but that's incredibly important because it's another angle or an edge that you can bring to the table whenever you're drafting in fantasy football. So I feel like there's a lot of people that, um, that think that player projections are the end-all and player rankings are the end-all, and if you choose the right guys and you're fine, that's very, very true, but no one just chooses the right players. And if you do, it's not a consistent thing. You're not going to do that year to year. Okay. So I actually would argue very strongly that strategy is more important than than picking players and player evaluation because it's it's something that is not that is unchanging. It's something that is consistent year to year, whereas the player evaluation is going to fluctuate. Um, so you know, even you know, they certain they certainly are important. Uh, but the notion of just choose the right players uh, ignores strategy um, completely, and that's very very frustrating to me. And that's why I'm ranting
0: about it. Nice. That's I, it. I think there's a lot more to explore there, but I totally <laughs> agree, obviously.
1: Oh, there, I, I could go, I mean, I could go down an insane two-hour conversation about that. Like, it's just, the, the, the biggest problem that I see with, uh, like, new new fantasy writers and new websites that are coming out is the focus is continuously on player rankings, mm-hmm. and I understand that player player rankings do drive the industry because that's what the casual fantasy uh, player wants to see. They just want to have a list in front of them that they can just draft, and then they they can follow those players throughout the season. Uh, but the only way that you're going to be better at that uh, and, and better at uh, winning is through strategy along with those player rankings. Because there's just there's just not a lot of differentiation between my rankings and and someone else's rankings. There's just not. And that's that's Go look at Fantasy Pros right now, and go look at the highs and the lows of the players. And I understand you might see like a fifteen uh, you know, like Larry Fitzgerald might be, uh, the, uh, his high end might be like the 11th wide receiver and his low end might be the 20th or something like that. And that might seem like a lot, but at the end of the day, it's not really that much whenever you're looking at every single player, uh, in fantasy. So I just, I think there's just this, this general wrong way of looking at fantasy football is, is it's kind of lazy to me. It's like, we're doing all this analysis for a reason, and we're I'm like we're winning, like we're winning for a reason. We're doing well for a reason. It's because we're looking past the fact that you're just you're just making rankings and drafting off that
0: list. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Then. No, it's good because uh, it ties into something I brought I brought up on my first. I'm doing these team outlooks, team by team outlooks at XN Sports, mm-hmm. and in the very first one I did, which was the Seahawks, you know, I kind of explained my methodology of them. Like, uh, you know, it, it's my job to provide projections there at, at the site. But I I'm the same way. I don't really tie uh, season long projections into how I how I draft or or how I even really value fantasy players. And I and I mm-hmm. gave that caveat in the beginning one. But the reason that those team outlooks exist is because I'm going through player by player and explaining to you how I feel about that player. You know on, on, right. on a on a micro level, and I, right. and that's why I'm doing those. And you know so I, I'm just going to tie it into go go to XN Sports and read those those posts and, and definitely check those out <laughs> because uh, there's yeah. going to be. Uh, i I'm about 12 teams in right now. Every time I look up at the clock and I say, "Oh, I still got 20 teams left." I get a little sad, but I'm I'm working on these for you. I promise you they they aren't half-assed. If you go into them, uh, I am doing the work for you guys. So definitely check those out. It's,
1: yeah, no, they're they're seriously crazy. They're it's it's the mo you know, everyone does like the 32 and 32. I think that I did that when I first started late com. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to bust out these really cool articles and, and do a different team every day. But yours yeah.
0: is is beyond yeah. out of control. It's a, it's good, a different know? animal, and I, I really do suggest. I, I, I would say this whether, you know, if Rich was writing for any, any site, not just XN, which obviously I write for. Um, but it, they they are comprehensive uh, to, to a point that I don't think that you'll find anywhere else. It, it's very, very helpful for anyone who really wants to up their game this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, where else? Where can everyone find you at, Rich?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm doing I'm doing redraft for uh, for XN. I'm doing Dynasty, still at fake football. Uh, A through Z, uh, at RotoViz. Uh, we've got the fake goods pod. Definitely check out me and my buddy Chad Scott, a friend of uh, yours. JJ started at the late round quarterback when the season yeah. actually kicks off. You can find me at XN doing redraft. I'll be doing weekly, uh, game by game outlooks, kind of like how I'm doing the team outlooks, where it's basically just an easy way for me to run through every player in a, in a bulk format so you don't have to just question my rankings. Uh, and you know, <laughs> I will be doing daily fantasy for the fake football cheat sheets there. So definitely go up and sign up for those. Uh, I will help put a little coin in your pockets and get your kids some Christmas presents.
1: Nice, <laughs> nice, good stuff. Denny, where can everyone find you and, and give a little promotion of the book?
0: Oh, well, I will now that you've said it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have Yeah, it, right. <laughs> it's at uh, cdcarter13 on Twitter. Uh, and uh, uh, my newest book is How to Think Like a Daily Fantasy Football Winner, focusing on DSF dfs as some call it um uh it's on it's on amazon and itunes um and and then i the original how to think like a fantasy football winner is also on that site so send me money thanks all right
1: <laughs> and then and then you can also find denny on 80 percent of the fantasy football sites on the internet
0: that, that too yes <laughs> yeah
1: right right uh, I'm JJ Zachary, and you can find me over at numberfire.com, um, and that's that's where I'm strictly at nowadays, which is great. I, also, I'm going to be doing a little bit of work for Roto World this year, so that's fun. Um, but that's it. You guys uh, ready to, to get some milkshakes? Yes. I'm ready. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll hopefully catch you next week. Take it easy.
0: Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the internet podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out makegroundcubing.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the